y'all. Welcome, Welcome back to Crime Critics and Chaos. My name is Shivani. And I'm Shaylin. And, and we're, we're your hosts. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and switch it up a little bit on this episode. We're going to start this new thing called Hot Seat with Shivani and Shaylin. And basically what we're going to do is Shaylin and I are going to put each other in the hot seat and we're going to ask three questions each and we're going to answer them. So that way you guys get to learn a little bit more about your hosts and we get to break the ice. Let's go. Let's do it. You want to go first or you want me to go first? I will go first. All right, go ahead. All right. So first question, what could I do in the next five minutes that would impress everyone in the room? Oh, well, considering in the room right now that we're recording in, it's just me, you, and my little sister in the background. <laughs> um, then what can you do in the next five minutes that would impress everyone in the room? You know what? If you just flat out like did the splits right now, <laughs> I would... <laughs> I would be super surprised. I don't think I can do that right now. <laughs> My sister's like behind you just nodding her head like. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Next question. Well, I'm curious. Are you able to do the splits? I am. I know you used to cheer. I do. Yeah, but I can. So, I guys. I just need to stretch a little bit before I do it. <laughs> it's been a couple it's years. It's been a while. But I got you. I promise. <laughs> All right, so second question. So if I had a blank wall to graffiti, what would I write? If you had a blank wall of graffiti, I think you would write something cute and bubbly because you have a bubbly personality. I really think it would be something very motivational. Yeah. Not only for you, but for, you know, everybody that sees it. Yeah, so definitely. definitely something motivational. You are 100% right. Like, I'd probably write something that would, like, make someone think twice. You yeah, know? absolutely. But you're, yeah. you're definitely a person that, you know, <laughs> definitely try to get people's minds going. And, you know, so I definitely would think you'd do something like that. <laughs> so third question. What fortune cookie saying will summarize the next year of my life? Ooh, that's a good one. So I think that... Your fortune cookie saying that'll summarize your next year or the next year would be sit back and buckle up because things are about to change. Ooh, I like how you said that. I'm like, where are you going with that now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, question for me now. Okay, so what would I name a band started by all the people in the room? So, the, again, the people in the room are me, Shaylin, and my sister behind us. So, what what would I name the band? The if, Brady Bunch. <laughs> named after my dog. Yes. That was a no-brainer for me. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was an absolute no-brainer. Definitely the Brady Bunch. Would you agree? Yes, I definitely agree. <laughs> All right. For a question for Shivani. What would I like to see happen in my lifetime? Ooh. I feel like you would want to be, or something that I know that's one of your goals and, you know, you want to definitely perspire and is, you know, having this podcast get definitely. even bigger and bigger than what it is already. Absolutely. And basically doing this full time. I agree. I think both of us want to do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> All right. Last question. Last question, y'all. <laughs> so what do I have an excessive amount of? <laughs> oh, my God. Wine. <laughs> that is true. I, I stay stocked in wine. My sister's behind, like, behind us, like, pointing out her feet. Like, she definitely has a lot of shoes. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, I've seen them in your bathroom. <laughs> you definitely have a lot of shoes next to your wine. So yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. 
That was awesome. I like that game. I did too. So, guys, if you liked that, let us know. We want to do more of that so that way you guys can get to know us a little bit more. Um, but, Shaylin, are you ready to tell the story today? I am ready to tell you guys the story. Now, this story is so bizarre, y'all. I am ready to throw you all for a loop. Oh, well, I'm super excited. All right, partners in crime, sit back and grab some wine as we tell some crime. Yeah, let's get to it. Let's get to it. So the sources that I'll be using to tell this story is KHOU11, The Criminal Journal, and Memories of Dallas. So Shivani, this story that I have for you today is super bizarre, and not only that, it actually ties into a lot of the cases that we already covered. Really? Yes. I'm super excited. On October 23rd, 1979, seven-year-old Elizabeth Lynn Barclay was walking with her younger brother and another neighboring friend on the 2900 block of West Northwest Highway in Dallas, Texas. All three were headed to a nearby convenience store to get some ice cream, and sometime between them leaving their home and heading to the store, they were approached by a male driving a dark colored vehicle with a truck lid detached, so basically the lid wasn't closed all the way. Mm -hmm. It was attached from the vehicle. And this man was believed to be an African-American man from the ages of 30 to 35 years old, had a husky build, and when he pulled up next to Elizabeth and the other two children, he exited the vehicle, exposed his private part, grabbed Elizabeth, struck her several times as he was carrying her to the truck, and he made threats about throwing her into the water. All of that? All of that in the span of, like, seconds. That's crazy. Yeah. So after the man drove off with Elizabeth, Elizabeth's brother and the friend were still there. So they witnessed the whole ordeal. They witnessed Elizabeth being thrown in the vehicle, hit several times, whether that was in her head, her face, etc., and then seen driven away by this complete stranger. So can you imagine how confused and terrified they were seeing all of that? No, I agree. I was just going to say, like, he just left them there. He didn't yeah. do anything with the boys. No, he As, left them Is it there. confirmed that the neighboring friend was also a, a male? Yes, so okay. the neighboring friend was also a male. And, again, like, just imagine those kids just seeing all of that. And they're young. Yeah. They're, they're very they're young. They can't do anything. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the children then went home to Elizabeth's and her brother's apartment, which is located in a northwest apartment in Dallas, and they reported the abduction to the mother, Linda Barclay, and from there, Linda immediately called the police. So she was like, yeah, mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, she's not there. The yeah. boys witnessed what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely no way that, you know, there's no, like, foul play for sure. Right. So after Elizabeth's mom reported her daughter missing, she was questioned by police. So Sergeant D.N. James stated that he questioned her first and questioned her thoroughly because he just kind of wanted to see, you know, basically, I guess, get the family dynamic and see if the abduction may have been family related or the kidnapper had any type of affiliation with the family. So I, I agree that he should have done that because, of course, again, we see in all cases where you know, even if the child was kidnapped by a complete stranger, we don't know if that stranger was actually a complete stranger. Yeah, no, I agree. I actually yeah. have a question, though. Mm-hmm. What year did you say this happened in? This was in 1979. Okay, so mm-hmm. the reason why I was asking is because I know we did the Amber Hagerman case. Yes. Um, and I was going to say the first thing that they should have done was set out an uh, Amber, alarm, uh, Amber Alert alarm, but, mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't invented at the time, so right. that probably makes sense. But just to kind of foreshadow 
obviously that's the whole reason behind the Amber Alerts because mm -hmm. I feel like that could have probably played a really big part if that was invented at the time. But sorry, anyways, keep going. <laughs> so a massive search and investigation was done immediately after Elizabeth went missing. And one bizarre thing to know is that this whole ordeal brought back so many memories of another abduction and murder that took place just five months prior to Elizabeth's abduction and another that took place five years after and several more after that. And they're all girls? They're all girls, except for one. There's one that was a male, but mm -hmm. most of them, yes, were girls. That's crazy. You know, and what I was going to say, you know, about the whole, the investigator who kind of questioned the mother. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I do think that it's part of the protocol. I just wouldn't have done that as the first immediate thing. Because, right. like, as we all know, the first, like, 72 hours of a kidnapping is the most crucial. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with the fact that the two boys witnessed, you know, Elizabeth getting getting kidnapped rather yeah um you know it, it's obviously not family related because then they would have recognized the, right the individual mm -hmm. so i feel like they you know should have definitely gone another direction to maybe you know see if they could have found her um but i'll let you go more into the story to kind of see what happens next while the search was being done for elizabeth this sparked questions and concerns of possible connections between elizabeth's abduction and of another abduction of a seven-year-old girl by the name of Tyra Heath, who went missing on June 25, 1979, while she was playing outside of her apartment complex, called the then Cascade Park Apartments. So this was basically a relatively normal summer day where the children were playing outside, enjoying the days with, you know, with them not being in school. Um, Tyra's mother, actually, her name is Miss uh, Janice Heath. She called Tyra back into the apartment about 10 minutes later Tyra never came back into the apartment. So basically she was outside playing. The mom called her to come in. 10 minutes later, Tyra did not come into the house. So of course at that point, her mom went outside to look for her. But then Tyra was nowhere near like the area she was originally playing in. And at that point they realized that she was like not even near the apartment complex as a whole. Wow. Yeah. So several days later, a reward was placed of $15,000 for any information that could lead Tyra or her abductor. There was also a massive search done by the Mesquite Police Department, which included helicopters, horseback ride, etc. They even interviewed family members, neighbors, and potential witnesses, and even went as far as to bring in a psychic. Um, but unfortunately, nothing came about that, and nothing turned up with Tara. So the case went cold. Yeah, the case definitely went cold. On June 29, 1979, Mesquite Police Department broadcast a photo of Tara on television hoping that someone would come forward seeing that Tara of knowing anything about her whereabouts. So family and friends also made posters and continued doing searches throughout the area, but they still had no luck in finding Tara. So, you know, they were continuing the searches and, you know, still trying to get witness statements and, you know, neighbors and still nothing came about nothing came up. about her whereabouts. On July 5th, an anonymous tip came in to the Mesquite Police Department about a man whom the caller said was involved in the disappearance of Tara. The name was James Richard Harris, who was 25 at the time and lived in the exact same apartment complex as Tyra. Harris was a Mesquite sanitation worker who was from Siegelville. So this man that they named as a suspect or who, who the caller called in about, mm -hmm. um, he was actually a sanitation worker 
and he lived in the same apartment complex as Tyra. So when they gave the Muskie Police Department the statement, so they basically immediately, you know, acted on it because it's like, okay, especially if he's living in the, you same know, the apartment same apartment complex, complex it's definitely sure. something that we should look into, whether, you know, it's true or not. It's something to look into because it's basically our first lead at this point. Right. Do we know what made this, you know, witness come forward? So we don't know why this person came forward or what circumstances of which they came forward, but we just know that it was an unknown person, of course. So here's where it gets really interesting, Shivani. So according to Don Heath, a relative of Tyra, stated that on the day she disappeared, she left her apartment, went a few units down, and knocked on Harris's door where he, his wife, and his son had lived. And at this point, she asked him if she could play with the little boy. So it seems like that she knew of this kid because I guess they always played together. So it wasn't nothing out of the ordinary for her to go down there apparently to go and you know, asked to play with him. So that's why she did that. But apparently Harris told Don that he left the back door open to which Tara had run out and that was the last time he had seen her. However, the phone call that was made to police disputed Harris's statement. Not to mention he provided the exact location of where Tara was located. Whoa, okay, wait a minute. Okay. (laughs) Let's, okay, I have questions. Yes, I know (laughs) I threw you for a loop there. So... Tara came and knocked on, is it Tyra or Tara? Tyra. Tyra, okay. Mm-hmm. So Tyra knocked on Harris's door to uh-huh. play with his son. Mm-hmm. Now, were they playing inside their apartment? Not actually in the unit, but like outside. So I guess she went there to knock on the door and say, hey, can you come outside and play with me? Okay, so then they're playing outside. Yeah. So what's kind of not making sense to me is the back door part. Right. So like I'm, I'm assuming at one point she must have went back upstairs mm-hmm. to the apartment. So that's why they said that that whole that whole statement that he made was disputed. It didn't make sense. Yeah, because if you're like one minute saying that oh they went downstairs and they were playing together, and then the second statement is oh, you know the door, I left it unlocked and she just randomly ran out. Right. On July fourth, nineteen seventy nine, so this is about a week after Tyra disappeared, mm-hmm. her body was found in a heavily overgrown wooded area in the South Mesquite area, just off Pioneer Road. I think I know where that is. So Harris found her body in Mesquite? Actually, no. He did not find her body. He just knew where she was. How did investigators know that he knew where she was? Let me get to that real quick. Okay. So on July 8th, so this is four days after her body was found. found, Harris confessed to the murder of Tyra Heath. He was also looked into for a number of other similar murders in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So, four days after they found Tara's body, on July 8th, Harris had confessed to killing Tara. Okay. So, do we know if this is, like, an accurate confession or if it's a false confession? The reason why I'm asking is because, I mean, I guess like if the information of where her body was found is wasn't public information, mm-hmm. and he knew where she was found, then obviously you know we know that he had something to do with it. But if it was public information, then obviously he's just going to run with what he hears on the news, mm-hmm. and kind of, when he confesses, he's just going to use those details that he heard to kind of let investigators believe that he was the one who committed the crime. This was an accurate confession, unfortunately. This would not be the last case for Mesquite or even the Dallas area in general. 
the city will be rocked again with several other murders just years later that you may now be familiar with, Shivani. This case gets a lot deeper because this is when the Dallas child murders are going to begin. Hey, 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 partners in crime. If you're looking for someone to do your makeup and facial care, let me put you on real quick. My girl Tia Edwards is a certified and professional makeup artist located in Houston, Texas. Go ahead and follow her on her Instagram at everythingbrows underscore beauty and check out her services. Click the link in her bio and book the date night beauty or the glam beauty or even if you just need your eyebrows done, book her ombre brow service. Let her know that Crime Critics Chaos sent you and believe me, you won't be disappointed. So after Tara's incident, five months later on October 23rd, we now have Elizabeth Barclay. So now I'm circling back to Elizabeth's disappearance. Okay. On October 27th, so just four days after Elizabeth's disappearance, her parents, Linda and David Barclay, had a press conference and pleaded for their daughter's return. Then that night, a call was made from a psychic sharing some details about Elizabeth's disappearance, but Dallas police did not find this credible or plausible so basically the psychic came in and was like hey i have some information on elizabeth but they didn't think that was credible i mean i can see why but mm -hmm. i would still as a parent i would still want to look into it and right do you know what what like what the psychic said so sources didn't actually state specifically what the psychic had said or what information the psychic gave so no there was nothing that came about that unfortunately Okay. But I agree with you. I feel like, you know, as a parent, I would definitely look into that still. Like, I know that on the episode we did before, I mentioned about another psychic, mm -hmm. you know, on another case. And I said that I kind of believe in that stuff. I know that's not a lot of people's thing, but I wouldn't mind looking into a psychic. I wouldn't either. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that for sure. On October 30th, a search was conducted by Dallas police in the city of Capel in the Trinity River. But unfortunately, nothing was found here. So... After they basically got the phone call from the psychic. Now, I'm not sure if this search was in reference to what the psychic had stated. Maybe they took something out of it. But on October 30th, they did do a search in Capel and the Trinity River to try to see if there was anything that they could find, especially of um, Elizabeth. But they didn't find anything, unfortunately, there. So fast forward to November 7th, Elizabeth's parents raised $10,000 in rewards, hoping for the safe return of their daughter. They also put out a better vehicle description and of the male perpetrator that abducted Elizabeth. So now they describe the vehicle as being a two-door Buick, still an African-American male as an abductor, but now they described his height to be 5 feet 6 inches tall and that he had sideburns. Then on November 18th, the Dallas Morning News ran a full page for Elizabeth and the reward was raised to 15000 Wow. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. So this description, again, that was strictly based on her brother and the neighboring friend. Basically, yes. And I think, uh, how old are they again? I think they're younger than seven, correct? Yeah, so they were younger than <laughs> Elizabeth. I don't know about the little boy, the other neighbor. They never specified his age. But he probably was around the brother's age because that's probably the brother's friend. Right. But I know for a fact that Elizabeth's brother is younger than Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was seven. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm just thinking, like, first of all, those kids are super young, which I know we've talked about this in several cases, especially the Amber Hagerman case about how mm -hmm. these kids are super young and they're over here, you know, going to convenience stores on highways. Mm -hmm. That's That's so crazy to me. But on top of that, it's I think what's even more crazier to me is that 
I mean, yeah, you know, the two boys saw what the perpetrator looked like and was able to describe him. Mm -hmm. But they're seven, you know, yeah. or even younger. I mean, Elizabeth was seven, so obviously they're younger than seven. Right. Um, which I'm like, you know, at the time when you're scared, you think you saw something and you're not even sure. I mean, me being 26, I feel like I wouldn't even really be 100% mm -hmm. sure of what I saw. So imagine, Absolutely. like, two little boys who are younger than the age of seven. I mean, they may have, like, seen something. I think the one thing that they're so, sh like, you know, sure upon is that he was an African-American male. Yeah. Um, but, like, how would a, a seven-year-old or younger than a seven-year-old know a height of between five feet right. and six inches, that's, right? Like that's that was too... something that threw me for a loop because if these, if these were the only two witnesses that we know of, right? how would they know the height? Yeah. That, that or like even an estimate of the height because yeah. like I wouldn't know that right now being 26. Like exactly. I wouldn't be able to like kind of be like, mm, he looks like he's 5'4 or 5'8 or... Six two, you know, I, I couldn't. Mm -mm. Put, I, I would just be like, "Oh, he was tall, right?" <laughs> or he was short, or he was short. But I wouldn't be able to give you any estimate. So imagine like a seven year old doing that, or someone obviously younger than seven. But I mean, maybe they did some. I don't know. Like, was he about this tall? Did he seem about this tall? Probably. So. You know, and they probably kind of compared it. But still, I mean, again, they're younger than seven. Their memories are not going to be that not at all that um, strong. So I don't know. I. I mean, I would definitely think it's a good idea to, like, kind of get the description from them, but I wouldn't mm -hmm. just go based off that description. No, absolutely. Especially the height. Now, I could see that with them saying the race, that mm -hmm. you know, because I'm sure that they pretty, um, they saw enough to where they can determine the race of the actual right. perpetrator. So, I, I understand that. But the height, yeah, I'm not, and I'm even, not doing that. even the race, like... Uh, you know, like the Texarkana uh, murders that we were talking about a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. where, you know, certain couples said that they saw, you know, a Hispanic man, and yeah. then some people said it was an African-American man because they were dark-skinned, right? Right. So, like, same thing. Like, the, the boys could have mistook the African-American man as Very just a, true. you know, dark Hispanic man, maybe. Or, Very true. So, could have been, yeah, it could have been any anybody. Right. But, yeah, absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right there. So on December 21st, skeletal remains were found on a dirt road in Bansett County. Apparently on this day, some farm workers were hauling hay in what is now called the Wingo Way, located in Willis Point, which is about 52 miles from Dallas, when they discovered a decomposed body in a ditch. The Barclays were immediately notified of the discovery, and at this point, it was believed that they belonged to Elizabeth. So sadly... The Dallas County Medical Examiner's Office confirmed that the remains were of Elizabeth using dental records, and the cause of death was determined to be a gunshot wound. Wow. And she was found all the way in Vanzette County. Yeah, all the way in Vanzette County. Again, that was about 52 miles from Dallas, so she was pretty far. Yeah. About an hour away. Mm -hmm. On December 23rd, Robert Douglas Durkee was arrested for a kidnapping in University Park and was thought to have been connected to Elizabeth's case. However, on December 24th, so just a day after he was listed as a suspect, police decided that he was not connected to the case and released him. Now on December 30th, a funeral was held for Elizabeth and she was laid to rest. So you have, on the 23rd, you have a suspect, Robert. He was called in for questioning because he apparently was involved in another kidnapping in the University Park. Do you know where University Park is? Yes. Yeah, okay. So after they questioned him, they realized, or I guess they came to the conclusion that he wasn't involved in Elizabeth's case. So they let him go. I think they let him go way too soon. I think he should have been questioned a little bit more. But again, I don't know 
what those questions were or, you know, what was, you know, said in that interview to which they felt like he was not a suspect. So Right. He might have had an alibi or something that strongly I mean, proved. Honestly, what other alibi would you have? You literally just kidnapped somebody else before yeah. this. You know, so I wouldn't know what alibi. I mean, I'm not saying that he Why wasn't he in jail? One, I don't, I don't know. That's my point. Like, why weren't you in jail for the kidnapping? Yeah, that's weird. Investigators stated that they found some disfiguration of Elizabeth's ribs, which could indicate that a bullet had passed through her body. Sources also stated that there were wounds found on her head that could be consistent with a knife, and there were also knife-like cuts on her clothing. So this is basically when they did the autopsy. Mm-hmm. They found that she was possibly shot in her ribs and she also was stabbed in probably her head area or somewhere else near her body but there were knife-like cuts on her clothing so she was also very likely stabbed to death as well that's like overkill yeah definitely overkill you already shot her and she's a kid yeah like she's seven she's seven you're good with just one bullet right. dude like you don't have to stab her right what was the point of you stabbing her Ugh. you know that that was just that was just way too extra i mean it was already extra by you abducting her and you really took it the extra mile by shooting her in her ribs and stabbing her how many times that was what why she's seven what could have what possibly could a seven-year-old do to you that makes you that angry at her yeah i agree that's why i'm saying like usually it's like you know, the only time that you overkill like that is when you have that much anger towards a person. Right. Which, I mean, how can you have that much anger towards a stranger who's seven? Exactly. So, there was no indication that she had been sexually assaulted. Um, I believe that she was, but since her body was so badly de- decomposed in my eyes, I feel like they weren't able to come to that conclusion. But I strongly believe that she was sexually assaulted. Yeah, I would think so, too. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned before, there were several other murders and abductions uh, throughout the Dallas area before and after the death of Elizabeth. So now I will go over some of the few that sources highlighted. On the same day that Elizabeth was found, seven-year-old Stephen Greg Little was abducted and his body was found literally a day later on Abrams Road in Dallas. I know where that is too. Yep, and I do too. One thing I'm noticing is that this is a boy, yep. and not a, a a girl. Yeah, so that goes to what you were asking me earlier. If they were mm-hmm. all girls, is this is the one guy, the one little boy that they, you know, had on the source. So, literally the same day that they found Elizabeth, he was abducted. What are the odds? Yeah, I mean, it seems like if it's the same killer, he's striking mm-hmm. pretty quickly. It's very coincidental that the day that they found Elizabeth's body, another seven-year-old kid is abducted. Right. At this point, I'm like, if that was me living in that area around that time frame, I would not let my kid out out of oh, sight. Oh, not at, at all. all. This definitely sparked parents in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Now you, you have Elizabeth, and before that you had, you know, Tyra. Tyra. And probably before that you had others. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that there was definitely some... It was scary right. for the parents in Dallas. And honestly, it's still scary. Yeah, it it's is. It's still scary to this it day. Is. So surprisingly, there was no connection made between Stephen and Elizabeth. Even though he was, again, he was abducted that same day, there were no connections made between the two. So I guess police and investigators believe that they weren't connected. I'm not sure how. Why right. would they even come to that conclusion? I mean... In a way that I get it, but I'm like, the investigator side of me would be like, something's up with these two cases. Gotta be. Yeah. Especially if you don't have that many 
like child murder cases, mm-hmm. you know, in that area. And if you just happen to like come across so many at a time, right. you would think that they're somewhat related or something's wrong there. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I agree. Seven-year-old Linda McCoy was abducted near her home in East Dallas in the spring of 1977. So this is two years prior to Elizabeth's okay. disappearance and death. Her body was found just a few months later near Mountain Creek Lake in the Far West Oak Cliff area. It was determined that Linda had been shot. No suspect has ever been identified in Linda's case, and her case also remains unsolved. Again, what are the odds of all of these cases now? Right. So, what do you think about these these particular cases that I've already went over? What do you think? I mean, I think they're related. I'm not sure if um, the boy, what was his name? Stephen Little. Stephen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Stevens is related just because, you know, seems like this killer only strikes little girls so you know that might be a little off there Mm -hmm. but for the most part I think that it's probably the same killer I mean they're all in a span of a couple years all together Mm -hmm. you know so I and they're all kind of around the DFW area Mm -hmm. so I I do think that they're you know the the killer's probably the same I agree I definitely agree and not like how you said that about Steven Um, maybe his is not connected which is why investigators was like no there's no possibly no connection because maybe you know the fact that he is a little boy Mm -hmm. but you never know i mean his mo hadn't changed so it was like let's just say you know he started like changing his mo and he started kind of um Mm -hmm. prying on little boys then it's like okay that makes sense but Mm -hmm. this whole entire time it's just been you know little girls and just one boy so i mean it could be related i don't know what kind of sprite you know spiked that difference there but Mm -hmm. i just think that that's probably a different scenario than probably so with the rest so. of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see where you're going with that. Twelve-year-old Susie Meigs was abducted near a laundromat in Denton, Texas. So this is two years prior to Elizabeth's murder. So sometime maybe around uh, Linda's, maybe in 1977. Right. Her body was found floating in a gravel pit in East Oak Cliff. Her cause of death was ruled a drowning. Wow. Yeah. So I honestly think that. Susie and Linda may be connected. Right. Because it happened around the same time frame. Yep. And in the Oak Cliff area Area. where their body was dumped at. Right. So I really think that if not all of these cases that I've been covering so far, those two are definitely maybe linked. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. On February 24th, 1980, so this is about three years afterwards, a unnamed girl between the ages of four and six was kidnapped from a sidewalk by an unidentified male who was believed to be a black male, six feet tall, with a goatee, who threw the little girl into a dirty blue station wagon, then drove off. The little girl was never seen or heard from again. And she's unnamed? Yeah, they did not name her. I don't know why. I think it's probably because of her age. But, I mean, they named all of the other minors. Yeah. But I think it was because she might have been the youngest out of all of them. Because they said she was between four and six. Yeah. So I believe that's probably why they didn't name her. That's so sad. Like, these kids are so little, and they're young, and they don't know anything. And imagine how scared they are when you do that. Like, that's... It's so evil. Like, it drives me crazy. But what's what's really striking me and throwing me for a loop is that they're saying that a lot of these perpetrators are black males. Yeah, I did notice that. You, that's yeah, like the yeah. third time that you said that one of the witnesses says that they're African-American. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm not saying that that can't be the case. It's just like, what are the odds of them, like, being different? And, you know. Well, here's my thing is you said that she was never heard from again, right? Yeah. So how do we know all these details? How do we know that she was thrown in this vehicle and that, you know, how do we know all that? Yep. Who's who's telling this? That's what I'm saying. They and sources didn't state, like, or specify who actually reported the, them seeing this little girl being thrown. I'm sure somebody did, but they didn't give out the information on who the witness was or, you know, who that person, like, they just never stated that. This, this There's very little information on all three of these cases that I just went over, that's, there's very little information yeah, on it. That's insane because, like, you would think that there'd be more coverage on it, which, again, is the whole reason why we do all this. Because mm-hmm. um, we want to go ahead and, and shine light to these cases. Yep. But I wish that there was more coverage on these Absolutely. cases for sure. And again, like you said, this is why we do this. So, even though some of these cases that I am about to mention may or may not be related, it still makes you wonder because you just never know. After reading all of this, I couldn't help but think of Tasha Wright, whose story we covered, Shivani, in episode two. Right. So if you guys haven't listened to that episode, please go and check that out right now. Looking back at Tasha's case, she was 10 years old, and she was abducted from her apartment complex in East Dallas on October 14, 1989, and was never seen or heard from again. So even though it's a pretty big gap. Yeah, it's like a good, you know, 10-year difference. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's funny that you say that because... When you were telling me about Tyra's case, the whole time I kept thinking of Tasha. Right, absolutely. Because the circumstances are so similar. Like, Very right, they similar. They both um, went missing from their apartment complex, you yep. know. And, I mean, I know Tyra was found, whereas Tasha never was. But mm-hmm. it's just the whole... The whole story is very similar. And I was thinking about her the entire time that you were telling me the Tyra story. Yep. So, on September 4th, 1993, seven-year-old Ashley Estelle was with her family at Carpenter Park in Plano, Texas. She disappeared from the park that day and was strangled to death. Her body was found the next day by a roadside. Her abductor and murderer was never identified, and her case also remains unsolved. There's so many in this area. So many. And they're all around the same time frame. Around the same time frame. So it makes you wonder, is there one killer out there harming these little girls or just these children in general yeah i mean and i mean i don't know if you know this how long this occurred Mm -hmm. but if it stopped abruptly then it's either he moved right or he passed away exactly so the last one i would like to mention and you're very familiar with this case because you actually covered it in episode five shivani we have the unsolved murder of amber hagerman who was nine years old and literally very similar circumstances as Elizabeth. Right. She was abducted on January 13, 1996 in Arlington, Texas, when she was snatched off of her bike by a male in a black pickup truck, and her body was found four days later in a culvert behind an apartment complex, which was four miles from where she was last seen. So that's why I wanted to cover this story. And that's why I said earlier that this case connected. is connecting to all of these other cases. And so now with that being said, what do you think about this information? I don't know. I mean, I think it's such a big eight, like a big big range, right? Mm-hmm. Like as far as years because Yeah, it is. We went like in the nineteen seventies, like the first couple of cases that you covered, they were all within two to five year span. Mm-hmm. And then of course, 
Tasha's was a good 10-year yep. difference. And then um, Amber's was a good 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's the same person. Mm-hmm. But let's just kind of entertain the idea that it is the same person. Okay. It would be weird that he, again, there could be lots of um, cases out there that maybe, you know, we don't know of. That yeah, he absolutely. He could have potentially been a perpetrator too. But based off of what we know so far, it seems like he... You know, he struck so much at a certain time, and then he slowly began to, like, decrease his amount of killings. Yeah. And then it's almost as if, like, he had, like, episodes, Mm -hmm. and he just randomly would get an episode, and then he would do the, you know, the crime, and then he went right back to his normal lifestyle, and then he would get an episode again, and he would do it all over again. Right. If if this is the same killer, right? Yeah. Again, like you said, if you want to entertain that, this wasn't the same killer. Um, But... I don't know if it's the same killer. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that it would be the same killer. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a, it's a different killer for sure. But definitely, the, the, all those crimes that happened between the 1970s, I think those could potentially be related, especially because they're all the same age range. Yep. Um, the bodies are all, or the girls are all murdered in the same kind of manner. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think that those are probably related. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I uh, definitely don't think that the same person committed all of these crimes. Right. I don't think that, especially like we said, the gap mm-hmm. is just too big. But, you know, we see it in other cases where people, they kill at one point, they start slowing down because they're too close to getting caught. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know where they start back. So it's that's nothing out of the ordinary, but just the circumstances behind some of these cases, I don't think that they're, this is the same killer. Right. But it does make you, like, wonder... Why was there so many deaths like this in Dallas, in the Dallas area, with children around the same age right. within the 10, 15-year mark? You're right. That's that's really, really crazy. And these, all of these cases were considered, and there's more, of course, but all of these cases are considered the Dallas child murders. Yeah. This is one, one case, or these. this is like the type of cases that I would really want to push for answers for definitely so any dna or anything i would love for you know investigators to get that tested so we can kind of get some answers because mm-hmm. i mean i know it's it happened years ago but mm-hmm. it still remained unsolved and you don't know if if he's out there or not still committing these crimes in right. other places so i definitely think it's important uh, for this case for these cases rather to be solved um, especially if they're all related. Definitely. I, I totally agree. So if anyone has any information on the murder of Elizabeth Barclay, please contact the Texas Department of Public Safety. And even for these other unsolved murders, if you have any information, please contact that particular police department or you can submit an anonymous tip. Y'all, these cases need to be solved and the murderers need to be brought to justice. So it's very important that we get these cases out here. Look on the website look for these old news articles you know they're pretty hard to find but i was able to find them so i know you guys will be able to please let's get the word spread out these are way too many unsolved kid murders here in dallas and even just across the world and you know there's needs to be something done about that you know and it's it's just too long these cases have been called way too long wait way too long and Again, something needs to be done ASAP. These kids deserve justice. You know, they deserve justice for their murders. And we need to step up as, you know, human beings and as, you know, people of the community. We need to step up and talk about these cases and get these cases back into the light. Right. I agree. I definitely agree. Well, Shaylin, thank you so much for sharing those stories. Um, 
I definitely did not realize that there was a whole span of of child murders that happened in the area, mm-hmm. um, especially in the same time frame, like we said earlier. So um, it's interesting, and you know, hopefully we get some answers soon, yeah. um, and the DNA testing that we now have can hopefully play a factor. Absolutely. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, please keep supporting us. You guys can listen to us on four different platforms. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube. So there are four different platforms you can listen to us on, so go ahead and choose one and <laughs> listen to us and also leave us a rating and a review if you're able to. So we'll see you guys next time. We'll see you. Goodbye. Bye.